This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Wharton Professor David Shu joining us uh, from the School of Management. Uh, we're going to be talking about Apple because, uh, in part, uh, because of the report that came out earlier this week about the shipment numbers for its fiscal first quarter, where it's 74.8 million uh, iPhones shipped. That massive, that's a massive number, but it's still a little bit lower than what was expected. And it was reportedly the slowest growth for Apple since 2007. Of course, you also have the issues potentially with the Apple Watch, are, you know, what is going on with this company right now? So we wanted to welcome in David and also joining us as well is uh, Marillo Campello, who is a professor of finance at Cornell University. Marillo, thank you very much for coming on as well. Thank you for inviting me. Great to have you. That, I'll start with you. That, that, that 74.8 million number for iPhones, it's still massively large. You know, I see that number and I don't see it as a slowdown, but seemingly it's drawn the attention of a lot of people. Well, I'd say that uh, it is concerning the fact that, this, that the growth is being slowing down. So it's a huge number, but in a way, you can only go down from here. What right. you're seeing is that uh, you know, new adopters, new people coming to the market are not going to Apple, but if anything, switching away from Apple. And that's, and that's the concern, right? Because they put so much on their investment and their focus on the iPhones, and uh, you know, they live and die by the iPhones now. David? Yeah, I agree. It's... Um, <clears throat> Despite the massive numbers, it's um, the slowdown in the flagship category. We've already seen slowdown in iPad, and now uh, kind of the year-on-year, quarter-on-quarter type of of changes in the iPhone is really worrying um, the investor community. At some point, I guess they figured that the Apple Watch would be that that complementary piece to the iPhone uh, that would carry that massive growth for, for the company into the next you know, 20 or 30 years or so. Uh, but that hasn't happened to this point. You know, it's really been a, a slow adoption for people for the Apple Watch. Yeah, I mean, I think that more generally than just the iPhone, it's the whole Apple ecosystem. And the, right. and the bet is that once you get users on one part of the ecosystem, that they'll be very friendly to the remainder of the Apple ecosystem. And that thesis has not played out as nicely as the company would have wanted. Uh, obviously, they, they ha- there's, this is a company that is used to versioning, upgrading over time with the occasional punctuated radical innovation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think that anytime you have a new product category like Apple Watch, it's going to take a little bit of time. But hopefully they can achieve that synergy. But it, it did seem like, though, that they did have that for, for quite some time. And then all of a sudden, the Apple Watch comes onto the market, and, and now things have kind of fractured a little bit. I think that they failed, uh, you know, building what David just said, they failed to, to, you know, to keep the continuity of, uh, of the bundle of the ecosystem. And, and that's crucial, and that's a challenge for them now, to understand that it is hard to come up with that disruptive and interesting and sexy technology that people want to join and expand their the bundle and uh, the apple watch failed to do so and and that's why then we turn back to so what's the main uh, uh, flagship always oh, the iphone 
and in that category, you can only go down from where you are because yep. it's it's a huge uh, uh, you have a huge chunk of the market, and they're being eaten out by uh, the cheaper versions coming from other countries. And the inability to innovate at the top, um, they ought to be thinking that they are in a, in a corner now. So what are uh, Mario Amarillo, What are the rivals to Apple doing right now in this in this segment uh, of the market that that are drawing people away from Apple right now? It is interesting. I, I travel a lot, and that uh, you see in South America, where I'm from, people are switching masses to Samsung. Same in Europe as well. In China, where most sales come from right now in the Apple market, they're going into the local Chinese uh, uh, versions of, of the phone, which are smart enough for what they do in their daily lives. And uh, what I hear is that people like to flash out their fla- uh, the apples. You know, uh, that, that se- you know, it seems to suggest that once you have an f- iPhone, you may have it home. Who knows? Um, I, I, Apple TV and Apple Music and this and that. But that uh, allure uh, seems to be waning away also in, in uh in China, uh, in favor of uh, of the cheaper versions of uh, of smartphones, so it's global. It's coming from all directions, and uh, maybe they're failing to understand that uh, the local markets they're going into have their own needs, and uh, and Apple may not be able to be this one. You know, one product fits uh, fits all in all markets. David, and, uh, the point is that they need to be thinking about very deeply about what they do and what they want to achieve in a new economy. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely right. Just to expound a bit on that, there's <clears throat> with the in, in the United States market with the loss of the subsidies by the carriers um, makes it even more stark the difference in pricing. It's it, the the iPhones are priced at a premium yep. around the world, and with the viability of much lower cost Android devices around that can achieve some of that functionality, I think that consumers are out there taking a look at that stark difference. And that's usually problematic for Apple because they uh, count on that loyalty, they count on that premium pricing for their brand to get onto the ecosystem. And I think that's, rather than just the strict uh, decline in the, in the, the sale of si- iPhones, maybe the investor community is just taking a look at this as a prelude to a possible tipping point downward uh, for the company. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Apple thinking more broadly about their global strategy and their positioning vis-a-vis much lower cost handsets and platforms, particularly as this category of smartphone matures a bit. We're talking with uh, David Chu, who is uh, with the Wharton School School of Management, professor here, also with Cornell's uh, Murillo Campello. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. It would be interesting to hear from maybe somebody out there that had an iPhone and made the switch. And tell us why. What was it that drove you away from Apple into another company? Again, 844-942-7866. That global strategy, Merlo, is obviously very important, and it's been written about a lot about how Apple sees China as, I don't want to say a, a, a be-all fix for their potential problems, uh, but certainly it's, it's a marketplace that does have a lot of opportunity for them. I, uh, I uh, so much agree with that. It's just so interesting. A year ago, I was having a conversation a year and a half ago, similar to what we're having right now. And then Apple came with this extraordinary, huge sales in uh, in the Chinese market. 
And that, you know, throw the conversation to how solid Apple is, and it is still, by the way. Uh, It kind of saved them a year, year and a half ago. But this time, we see the Chinese market is is shrinking just because the economy is not as promising as it used to be. And uh, the local fights through carriers and subsidies and uh, the ability to produce uh, better products that, you know, in China, which may be coming to the U.S. at some point, who knows, that is shaking. I'm, I'm not an Apple insider, but it must be shaking the conversations that they have at, the, at headquarters. The uh, Chinese strategy needs to be revised because uh, it is likely that, you know, six months from now, the sales won't be as good just because the whole economy and the strength of the dollar, yeah. that's what it is. There's, you can't produce magic with the same phone, right? So unless they come with a, with a disruptive uh, innovation, which they have failed to deliver, uh, that that global strategy needs to be, you know, completely uh, redrawn from what we have now. And I do not know the answers to what is it, but uh, uh, what I'm guessing is whether and how seriously they are taking this, these challenges. David? Yeah, I think that um, particularly when you think about different customer types and the reason for adopting in the face of very viable alternatives that are at such a starkly different price point, there, there has to be quite a bit of allegiance to luxury and um, the sense of premium branding. That could carry the day in, for some sub-segments of the market in China or in developing uh, countries. But I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Apple think very seriously about a more mainstream strategy, even a strategy that kind of caters to the lower end of the market, yeah. the, the, the slower adopters, the laggards. And that, of course, is in itself quite a challenge for, for the company that has really, you know, think about the Apple Watch, many of their categories of products, premium price. And they've, they've, they've stayed away from, from going right. to, towards the low end unless you go back to, you know, the, I, the 5C, right. which, you know, they, they cut back on. And That's right. we saw how that played out real well. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, and I guess then the other question about then Apple in the short term going forward is that uh, the the conversation is already going on about what Apple will release come September, the iPhone 7. And so it makes me think that Apple's got to come up with something pretty good, some some fairly significant additions to the iPhone 7 for them to kind of turn this path around a little bit. Do you agree? I, I would agree. I, there's been uh, chatter, uh, rumors about wireless charging, about maybe something about virtual reality, you know, all kinds of rumors uh, around. And I think that speaks to this idea, yeah, people would like or ex- come to expect the next version to have the better features on the camera, yeah. better, faster, you know, maybe cheaper, et cetera, as, as you march forward. But this need for a little bit of something that differentiates them. Um, and these are, uh, you know, given the, the, the pervasiveness in terms of the utility of smartphones, people are looking for a leap up, something yeah. that's distinctive, not just the brand, ease of use. All those things are great, but in terms of the functionality, doing something that is very different, offers a very different value proposition than what may be available, those are the things that I think consumers uh, are looking for, investors are certainly looking for that could change the game. Marilla? No, I agree. Uh, but just uh, to to qualify what uh, David just said in one dimension, um, this issue about quality of the camera is so huge and so important if you are connected to social media. And guess what? The new adopters are super, 
you know, uh, super in tune with, uh, in sync with uh, social media. They want to take a picture and put it in Instagram immediately, share with their friends. Yep. And the quality has been a concern, a complaint. Mm. Uh, if you have teenage sons like I do, yeah. it's constantly mentioned as a problem and as a reason why go away from Apple and, and into Android. Mm. And uh, so it's, it's, you know, in a complimentary David said, mm. you need to have this uh, new technology that's pretty important and a reason for you to go into Apple, but also make sure that you can compete on, uh, on standard uh, features that uh, people are expecting from Apple, such as the quality of, of the camera. Mm-hmm. I will throw this question out to you. I am an app, Apple iPhone user. I have the opportunity to trade mine in in a month at the end of my original two-year contract and get a 6 or you know 6S. Do I do that now, or do I wait uh, wait till September and play that out and go for the seven? What do you think, Marillo? So I can relate to you because that's what I did just two months ago, and I'm thinking I'm regretting that decision. I traded in my my five and got a six S, and I'm thinking now, boy, I should have waited. Um, uh, but having said that, that was the dilemma I was in the year yep. before and the cycle before as well, right? So. Um, uh, you know, this expected innovation that comes in September thing, I, I don't know if that's working. We'll keep working so much. And uh, more people, uh, maybe younger than us, will switch into the new technology. Yeah. And that's, I think, uh, an Android. And that's what uh, um, Apple may, may want to change even the cycle idea that they have. They can go and play with the market in that way. They need a lot of innovation, not only um, the new the technology itself, but the cycles and, uh, and how they innovate and what expectations they create. You know, this new thing must be better than, than anything ever. I mean, it, at some point, they can't sustain that expectation, fulfill the expectation. Well, and I'll throw in something else as well, David, is the fact that, okay, they can do a lot of this innovation and they can upgrade a lot of the, the technology that they have on the phones, but it also has to go, in some respects, to the partnerships that they have with the various companies that want to develop apps for iPhone if and for Android. If they're the ones that, that are receiving those apps first ahead of Android, they will have a little bit of an advantage, and that may carry a little bit of weight. I don't know how how much in general, but but certainly having the the newer technical aspects of apps will certainly help them down the road. Yeah, I mean it's pretty clear that having control over the platform of distribution and essentially getting a more getting getting a lot lot of leverage. You know, they put the standard out there, they put the fl- platform out there, and they do their revenue sharing with the app developers and make yep. it very enticing. That has been absolutely critical in terms of the choice of, on the developer community as to which platform to really uh, develop for and, com- and compete on. I wanted to make a comment on your prior one, which is, yeah, people are used to these two-year cycles sure. um, and will accordingly wait or not wait in terms of, of upgrading. I think the worry is not so much people like you or Marillo, you know, in that you've already adopted the likelihood that you're going to continue is quite high. Yeah. I think the big worry in the investment investment community is <clears throat> the whole new generation being yeah. undercut and once you get on a different platform, you, you get stay. used to you stay. It's even for very small re-education costs, people stay because that's what they know. It's yeah. it's just very easy. And so I I think that this recurrent adoption cycles and loyalty 
you know, is really at the crux of the worry of the investor community. And, and it's interesting because you think about somebody like myself. I have three kids. They're nine and six uh, and six-year-old twins. And they play on my iPhone. And my oldest daughter has an iPod. Well, you know, that again goes to that loyalty you talk about, but that loyalty is passed down from generation to generation, which is a very important piece to this. That's right. So I, uh, just, I, I'm just going to say that my son switched away from, uh, from my loyalty to, 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 to the eye uh, products. And uh, he's telling me that, that young kids today, that's what they look for, for the cheaper platform, yeah. easier to adopt uh, apps. The application community, also, uh, apps community is also complaining that it's hard to even get a, a line to talk to someone at Apple to develop or to uh, synchronize their, their apps. And, um, and so, I, so my concern is that this young segment of the market mm-hmm. is being lost by, uh, by Apple, by their rigidity and how you know, everything is scanned and everything is an ecosystem and this and that. It's expensive to get in and it's easy to get out. Yeah. And um, so, you know, as, as I hear people saying, people are moving away from Apple, not into Apple. Mm-hmm. And that's what they should be concerned about. We want to hear from you, your comments, uh, especially if you're somebody that maybe has moved away from Apple. The number to give us a call is 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Obviously, Apple has tried to make a big play also with their retail stores uh, in and around the country, which uh, have had a certain uh, level of benefit. Uh, But I guess in some respects that, that they try, Marilla, to try and take away some of the issues that that people might have in trying to contact Apple for help by adding these stores in. And, and I think it has helped them a little bit, maybe not enough that, that they probably expected. I think uh, uh, I think it was a good move, and uh, they understand that it's hard to get in, you know, in, talk, in contact with Apple from any direction, from investor's point direction, yeah. from an app developer direction, from a consumer's direction. It's just hard to get in touch with them. And so the, the, the stores made it more friendly, more human. Uh, of course, it's being copied now by Microsoft and Samsung, if you go in other countries. And so that move was a bit, bit neutralized because it's other competitors also doing the same thing, right? So it's nothing that cannot be recreated by a rival firm. Uh, but, uh, but just to give an answer, I think it was a positive move. And uh, and, uh, you know, keep us keep them a little more friendly, uh, uh, user friendly for, for the point of view of everybody else in society. And it's economy. and it's also something where it's not like the other entities, Microsoft amongst the group can't make up the ground that is lost. And obviously we're seeing it, right. you know, happen right now that that other companies are starting to make up the ground that Apple had such a dominant position in the, within the last five years. Yeah, I wanted to make a comment on this, which is that I think Apple at least in my perception, has this position that's like really appealing to the masses. Make it easy. Sure. It's high tech under the hood, but super easy to you. And as I think about what's going to appeal to the new generation, yep. who are more, much more growing up with technology, more tech savvy, I'm not sure that they necessarily need that. And that's that's good, but I think that this idea of being able to customize, to tinker, to do kind of build their own... Um, something a little bit more tailored to their interests and tastes. I that's my perception of the younger generation, and there the value proposition or the, or the brand image of Apple is somewhat less compelling, yeah. especially if it's priced at at such a premium. So you look at these new computers. I mean, they're they're shockingly low cost, yep. Yep. and um, they are able to I mean, really achieve to the masses. And of course, that's what's going to be 
necessary in the rest of the world that's not as, you know, not Western Europe, not the United States, et cetera, or nor the luxury premium segment of the, the Indian or Chinese market. Yeah. And so that the, the masses there may change their preferences and allegiance uh, to a different type of position that, that Apple is not really well positioned for. You agree with that, Muriel? I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. I mean, if I look at your iPhone, it's probably similar to my iPhone, but if you look into the teenagers' uh, Androids, they're totally customized their preferences in ways that Apple just can't follow, given the way they, they can everything in their products. And so Apple is very good at, at introducing to us all how you have a smartphone, how you carry it, what you use for but now that the new generation wants more customization, lower price, that's what they care for. Apple is not in a position to offer any of that, and that has to be concerning for them. So where's their focus then? If you're, if you're working for Apple, Marillo, and you have the iPhone, the Apple Watch hasn't been the success it was, you know, the iPads are still pretty successful, the Macs are, are fairly successful, what, do you, what suggestion do you make? Well, they're probably trying to get into, um, uh, they are doing okay, I hear, and on Apple Music, or those, some imitation of Spotify. I think, uh, you know, in a way, you are, I'm a true company now. It's hard to be at the cutting edge over and over again for many years. I think they are becoming mature. I mean, if you look into, I'm a finance professor, if you look into the financial policies, they're more, they look like a mature firm, you know, vis-a-vis, uh, uh, a growth, a growth firm. Yep. Uh, they just, I think, they are realizing that they are mature, and they're not telling us. And we, you know, keep talking about here. Oh, they are not innovating this and that. I think they're saying, you know what? Yeah, we're taking this position of the king of the hill. That's what we are now, and we'll be, you know, playing with your uh, expectations and, uh, uh, and hopes. But maybe this is kind of it for us. Uh, you know, I'm sure this, this, they are having these existential discussions. Um, I'm not part of them. But I'm sure they must be having those those discussions because they cannot be at the cutting edge forever. David, I'm of the view you have two hundred billion dollars in the bank. You you don't have to be so conservative. You don't have to be so controlling. And I, if you compare Apple with companies like um, Alphabet or with Facebook, much more kind of forward looking in terms of experimentation. What's going to be driving growth? in the future and willing to dial back a little bit on the control aspects, which I think is the legacy of Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. really kind of not being as as afraid of the experimentation. I think that's kind of one of the, the things that you need in terms of a, a company culture in which you don't really know what are the, the big drivers. Now, yes, iPhone is, you know, the mega hits, probably the most product successful product ever. Yeah. But those you, you're not going to be on that gravy train forever. You need to really kind of branch out and take some bets. And you, it's a good time to do that. Uh, not in a moment of, of severe crisis, but one in which you have the, the latitude to really kind of finance these different experiments, whether it's internal to the company or perhaps through partnerships or acquisitions. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.